Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 28, coming at you from the Meaner True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm the host and producer, Eric Fisher, the biggie, joined in person here by Ramsey Thompson. How are you doing, buddy? Awesome. Fantastic to hear, and joining us via Zoom, the new father, Justin Dahl. Hey, guys, how's it going? I'm newly minted. Girl, Dad, I'm excited about it. It was a great uh, experience. Um, just, just uh, all in all, happy. So excited to get this week knocked out and start moving forward. That's great to hear. So, Justin, why don't you uh, get us the listeners filled in here, baby girl, JJ? We got the name out last week, but why don't you uh, catch us up on everything going on? Yep, jo- Josie June. Uh, as we updated on, on our Facebook page and kind of kept things uh, arised on, on how, how we're doing and family. And um, we, we induced on Friday, and by 12, almost noon, we had a little baby girl, Josie June Dahl. She is a healthy nine-pound, nine two-ounce baby that was 20 and a half inches long, and Mom only went through um, about about a half hour of, of labor for her, so it, it was a it was a good uh, experience all the way around. The right. hospital staff, the nurses, the doctors were just fantastic. Uh, even the anesthesiologist that gave my wife an epidural was just top notch. Uh, you don't you don't hear that experience often, but uh, it was it was great all the way around. I was happy with it. You said a half hour. Yeah. That's a long minute. time. No. That's usually my really first short. one. Oh, good for her. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was uh, my first one was like over two hours. So. Holy shit. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at on this topic it's another a, time. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing <laughs> what mothers do. So, Dude, I couldn't even imagine maybe, that. Maybe come around uh, Mother's Day, we should re, re-go over this uh, episode and, and kind of relive this moment. So, Like, you don't need to take too big of a poop. <laughs> you're on the shitter for a while. I couldn't imagine doing that for a half hour. A nine-pounder. Dude, like, for real. <laughs> 20 like, inches, 20 inches, what? 20 inches, nine pounds, Holy, Ramsey. I can't even, that's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> she, right. uh, she was, she was amazing. Tough, tough little lady. Wouldn't want to cross her boys. I was about to say, gotta be careful for Mrs. Dollar. She'll put me in a headlock. And... <laughs> yes. A noogie. Fuck me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so with that, we got a little business to take care of here. As always, partners over at Monkey Knife Fight. Lots of contests going on for the Eastern Conference Finals, if you're not watching along. Milwaukee Bucks making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, facing off against Atlanta. We'll get to more of that later in the episode, but lots of contests there. Daily contests for the Brewers and other sporting events going on every day. Play along, make some money, do what you got to do. Also, our friends over at Ray's Energy, really powering the lifestyle of the Root for Wisconsin show. Energy drinks, pre-workout, sleeping aids, protein popcorn, you name it. Shirts, hats, whatever. Raise Energy. Join the Raise Rebellion. No sugar, no crash. New flavor just came out last week. Strawberry lemonade. Check it all out. 
repsports.com. Get 15% off with the code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four. That's code ROOT4 on repsports.com. With that, we start off our actual part of the episode here with what we are rooting for. And that is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics love on whether your team's in the middle of a rebuild or at the top of the world. Like the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, get your gear from Fanatics.com. 300-plus powered stores. Get your team gear there. And hashtag love on. Show your love for your team. With that, Ramsey, what did you root for over the course of the last week? Well, I was rooting for the Bucks to lose. And? And they didn't. Because every time that we talk about the Bucks, they do the complete opposite of what I think they're going to do. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about that for a second. You know, we look back at two weeks ago, going into the round against the Nets. All three of us were pretty positive going into that series. Yeah. and I thought they matched up really well against Brooklyn. And that was a healthy Brooklyn time, too. So, you know, that happens. They lose game one, whatever. They get blown out game two. We come in for the that, last That's week. what it was. It was a 49-point game that really, I mean, that episode, we could just cut that episode out and, and well, right. do a take so on, we, ourselves on that. We, we were trading Giannis. We were firing Budenholzer. And, I'm and, still on fire Budenholzer. I also am on fire Budenholzer. But <laughs> so let me go. We, we say that the Bucks survive game three. They win game four, and then game five happens. We're all we're back to let's fire Budenholzer, let's trade Middleton, let's trade, yeah. let's blow this thing up. At least Ramsey and I were. Justin was like, oh, "Okay, guys, calm down," but still wasn't happy. Game six happens, and you're like, "Okay, you know," because that happens after we record, but before we release. Mm-hmm. So game six happens, and you're like, "Okay, they typical Wisconsin sports fashion, false hope." And we're literally we're sitting in our group chat talking about. How did we get this wrong two weeks in a row now? We've bashed the Bucks twice. It's everything's recorded. We're not gonna re-record because the Bucks won. So we give you the honest episode and then the Bucks go out and win game six. And so I this- think we, we just continue on this trend. We just keep bashing the Bucks <laughs> and we might end up with a championship out of it. That, that's a possibility because then game seven happens, and I don't know I we said in our group chat, which you know, it's just the three of us, not our listeners, but game seven happens, and I'm sitting there, there's no way they go to Brooklyn and win. Absolutely not. They need a game five. You're not going into that building and winning a game seven. And lo and behold, a good on them. Can we all admit, though, at this point, I don't, I think it was like the Atlanta-Philly series. I don't necessarily think Milwaukee won the series. I think Brooklyn gave it away. I would agree. I would agree largely. I would say, and I think we'll get to this more later in the episode. I'll I'll, I'll say what I'm going to say. What I what I do want to say here in this part, though. Milwaukee matched punch for punch in Game Seven. They never they never led by too much. They never really trailed by too much. That was a back and forth. True. I mean, if you want a Game Seven, that's what you want. And I remember, so I was at, I was at that, I told you guys about that wedding I was at up in uh, Bayfield on Saturday night. The, it was such, such a cool moment because everybody who was there, big sports fans, including the bride and groom, the entire wedding stopped for the last two minutes of regulation and overtime. 
Everything stopped. Everyone was turning the one TV because the, the reception was at a golf course. And so, first of all, congratulations, Aaron and Evan. You know, happy, you know, congratulations to you two. Uh, but the whole wedding stops. Everyone's in the clubhouse or just on the outside area around the clubhouse watching this, the end of the Bucks game. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, no, I would, I would agree with that general. I mean, like I said, I think they matched punch for punch. They kept themselves in it. I thought they were going to give it away at the end. And then thank God that KD has size 18 feet and didn't know where he was in the court. And then thank God that he was gassed in overtime. KD was. And awesome. K. So KD could be the best player in the world if he wanted to be. He's too much of a head case to actually do it. And that's kind of a fitting end for KD's season on just coming up a little short. And we can get into that later too, but it's just it's kind of it felt right for that be that's the way that Brooklyn goes out. KD just not knowing where he's at on the court and Missing it by a few inches. That, that's that's the way it should have ended. Like, that feels good. Justin, what did you root for this last week, sports-wise? Well, I mean, obviously, it, it was the Bucks to win that game. I We're on edge. I'm sitting in the hospital room. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as quiet as I can. I've got a sleeping baby, a sleeping wife who, you know, it, all this is brand new, and in the Bucks you know, tried to piss it away, went into uh, overtime after a great, I mean, just a great shot uh, by KD uh, about an inch too, too close to the, to the three point line. Otherwise the bucks lose that game. So, I mean, this, that has to go down. I mean, the implications of the game, are, are going to be so far understated because if they lose that game, there are heads that are going to roll. But they end up stealing it. It was That has to be one of the most important wins in Milwaukee history, maybe since 1974. 71. Uh, 71? 71 was the championship. They were in the well, finals in 74. 74. So maybe since 1974, that has to be one of the most important games in franchise history. That's that's how much that means. I mean, because that this is going to go a long way to to even even if we don't win the finals this year, it's going to go a long way into drawing more interest from free agents in in all spectrum assistance and in Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee alone. So uh, it was just a huge game. So that's what I rooted for. And then I rooted for myself to be kind of quiet for, (laughs) for for my two girls in the hospital. I would say that that's at this point, I do think it is probably a championship or bust Milwaukee. Either they win a title or they don't. And all the issues that we talked about in the last episode, if they do come up short for whatever reason, I still think that you probably still have to make some moves in the offseason because you're not quite there. Yeah, winning yeah if, you can't, if you can't win it this year, you, you got to answer some questions because there's no doubt about it. They're the best team left, I think. No. I mean, Phoenix is close, but... Phoenix is better than so is LA. 
I've Ooh. watched I've watched a lot of Phoenix basketball this year. Well, not this year, this playoffs. Phoenix is the best team left. They're athletic. They would match up pretty well against Milwaukee, and especially with Chris Paul supposedly coming back. He anticipates playing Game Three. I was about to say he's supposed to be back this week, so hasn't officially been cleared yet, but anticipates to play. If when Chris Paul's back, that team is really good. <laughs> Uh, you guys, you. I hope you guys are watching this game. We are. We have it on the TV. We do so. have it up. We might be uh, delayed you, though. You, you might be a little behind me. Oh, I think I see what you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dr- uh, Drew Holiday going up on. Yeah, you might have to cut that part out because we're going a little bit off on the ramp. But. No, no. That's... What did you report, Eric? I, Justin, I'm gonna stay because I don't. You know, there's not really a whole lot much else to add here on on the Bucks story that I haven't already said or whatever, but. I'm going to stay in the city of Milwaukee, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this. So as Mr. Baseball Hater, Ramsey Thompson over here. Not a baseball hater. The, the Milwaukee Admirals? The Milwaukee Brewers here are doing something <laughs> really special. And I know Ramsey doesn't really care unless they're winning a championship. We, we all, we've heard that episode. We've gone over that. And he's always wondered, okay, are the Brewers World Series threats or it doesn't matter? There's a stat that happened yesterday. The Brewers broke an MLB record yesterday on Tuesday. And we're less than halfway into the season. And this is a season-long record. So with Freddie Peralta's dazzling performance on Tuesday's win, Freddie Peralta delivered the Brewers' ninth outing this season of six-plus innings with one or no hits. That's a major league record that hasn't been done since 1901. The last teams wow. I had even been close were the 2016 Dodgers, who got to the World Series. Granted, they lost, but still got there. And also the 2015 Indians. They had eight performances in the entire season. The Brewers did this in Game 74 of the 21 season. And if I remember correct, that Cleveland team and the L.A. team were the better team in that World Series? Arguably? No, I lied. They were not in the World Neither team made the World Series those two years. 2016 was the Cubs of the year that they won. And beat Cleveland, right? And beat Cleveland. 2015, the Cleveland was really good. I don't think they were in the World Series that year. But still, regardless, um, two very good pitching staffs that did that over the course of an entire season. Milwaukee's already done it in half of a season, or less than half of a season, with three of the best starting pitchers in all of baseball right now, between Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, and Brandon Woodruff, Brandon Woodruff did it again today. Um, he didn't. He didn't go over that stat. I think he went seven, had allowed three hits, but still, just the the pace that they're on. Granted, you got to hope it's sustainable for an entire season. When you got to hope they stay healthy too. But the pace that the starting pitching staff is on is enough to be a World Series threat. And they're very much a contender. The offense is heating back up. And the bullpen's just as good as ever. So very much a World Series potential. And just you know, rooting for this incredible pitching staff. I'll be down there on Friday, release day, for my birthday, watching Corbin Burns do his thing on the mound. Probably the most potential of a Cy Young candidate in Milwaukee, just with the amount of strikeouts he puts up. So I almost ex- kind of expect that number to go from 9 to 10. But anytime those three guys, any of those three guys, and even Adrian Hauser to a lesser extent, hit the hill, Brewers have a not only a good chance of winning, but a good chance of damn near perfection. So, yes, I'm rooting for the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's why. Shocker. Hot take there, Eric. 
No, I, I am happy, though, to see... Because really, right now, Wisconsin's kind of the center of sports media, for the most part. I mean, between the Aaron Rodgers conversations, the Milwaukee Bucks, and... And now the Brewers. The Brewers have been playing better, so that's always... Uh, it's always good to see the state of Wisconsin always being in or being talked about in the news. And especially top of the line news, you know, like today, even, even earlier today, you had these nitwits from, Hey, we're, we're getting that. Don't, yes, don't spoil man. it. Don't spoil it. Justin. we're going to get the, there. The hell? Not the, there, whatever. All right. I won't ruin it. Thanks, buddy. So with that, we go from positives to negatives. Tower here, no good the week time. Eric, I'm let me hear it. I'm leaving this one off because Justin just teased it. That's called a tease and a segue in the broadcasting world, ladies and gentlemen. My nugget of the week, my Tower Hero nugget of the week goes to ESPN's first take show with Stephen A. and Max Kellerman and the whole crew just ripping the city of Milwaukee this morning. And saying how they don't want to go to Milwaukee. No one wants to go to Milwaukee to watch a finals. The NBA must hate the fact that the Bucks are one of the remaining teams and, and the odds-on championship favorite. Screw you guys. Like This state, first of all, is an incredible place for sports. There's a lot of winning going on here. And Rams and I were talking about this today. I think he would called me when I was getting lunch today. There's a lot worse places in this country you can be than Milwaukee during the summer. Chicago. So, yeah, you know, it's not your your shiny L.A. or New York or even Chicago from a media standpoint. Milwaukee would treat you guys like kings if you guys were here. First off, wouldn't people have to watch ESPN, though? True. Like, I don't, even, I don't have an ESPN app on my phone or, in my opinion, they're probably the worst sports company right now out of your major three or four. Aside from live broadcasts for sports, I would probably agree with that, yeah. Uh, it's just astonishing to me. Like the Brewers have been in the playoffs or a wild card berth three years for, in a row. What three? Years in a row. The Bucks have uh, made the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. The Badgers have been uh, a top it. fifteen program for. It's got to be going on ten years, at the very at the very very least. The Packers have been to a Super Bowl within what 10 years, 11 years and what four uh conference championship games. Like to act like sports in the state of Wisconsin are like futile is just a ridiculous take. Uh it, it's it, it's not fair to to Wisconsin sports fans. Uh they should be ashamed of that take and they deserve every goddamn ripping that they're getting. Well, for, and- for and just to, double, just to double down on that, you have some of, if not the, most loyal sports fans across the board like who know their stuff for the most part, who represent, who come out for the big games, who come out on the main stage. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but when Sam Decker hit that, champ, uh, that uh, shot in the corner to win the state championship game when he was in senior in high school, mm-hmm. that's back when they would do this, the top ten... And play, you know, the best of the top ten, and, you know, the winner kept moving on. So they had the number one play from that individual day versus that number one play that kept going on. Sam Decker's shot kept on for about three or four weeks because the state of Wisconsin just would not let it go. 
Yep. So to say, you know, Wisconsin sports are, you know, like Justin just said, some of the top line stuff going on right now. You have incredibly loyal fans. And Milwaukee in the summer is a gorgeous place to be. Like, bias aside, you're right on the lake. I mean, what, I don't know what else you could ask for. Championship. Well, yeah, but that's coming, potentially. You know, I mean, if you're playing in the finals, or even the Eastern Conference finals, yeah, a championship's going to be great, and that makes that sends it over the top. But I'm just saying, if you're having to visit the city of Milwaukee for four or five days at a time... There's a lot worse places to be. I, yeah. I think that's what kind of what we were getting at earlier is that, like, I get it that it's probably not my number one choice to be at in the beginning of July, but I would, there's a, it's not on the bottom either. I'd rather be here than Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta's a shithole. Yeah. LA, for the most part, is a shithole too. So, With the B team in, in LA. Yeah. Like I said, you're talking kind of two shithole cities right there. I mean, Phoenix is nice. Right. Arizona's nice. But L.A. and Atlanta are both shitholes. Yes. The only good thing about them is their airports. And their airports are shitty, too. I fucking yeah. hate Atlanta's airport. All right. Me too. Which one of you guys wants to go next on Nuggies here? I mean, I just went pretty no, hard on that one. So, Ramsey, you ready? You got one? I think I'm gonna make myself my noogie. Ooh. And, what? And here's why. I, I've been ripping on Chris Middleton for a while now, and that's not. So hold on, Justin. That's not. Ready. I don't know if you hear it. That's me clapping. Yeah, we, not, we heard it. It's not clap time yet, buddy. Here, let me because do it again. Let me do it again. He's still incredibly overrated. He's still incredibly overpaid. However. Something that I did not value as much as I probably should have was leadership at the end of that game in Brooklyn. And without Chris Middleton, Milwaukee does not win that game. Chris Middleton was pulling the ball up. Chris Middleton was breaking up guys, getting scuffles. Chris Middleton was kind of the vocal leader on the court at that time. So, I, like I said, I still think he's overpaid. I still think he's probably the best three in the league. However, when crunch time came, Giannis kind of... Disappeared a little bit, and here's Chris Middleton pulling the bucks along. So, good on him. I will take a noogie for that fact that I was a little bit wrong on Chris Middleton. I still, he drives me insane, but he is the reason they won in Brooklyn. I, I, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm proud of you for coming to the, to, the, to the starting line and starting to realize that you're wrong about Chris Middleton. And I'm going to back away, and I'm going to tell you that the Bucks won this series because in Game 3, they finally realized they need to play through Chris Middleton to allow Giannis to be himself. And everything that they've been successful on has gone through Chris Middleton. This team started playing through him offensively. He, he stepped up on pick and rolls defensively he's even he even went head to head uh, and there's not many there's not many people that could go head to head with with uh, KD and he wasn't very successful he wasn't very successful at all nor was any any of our top defenders you, know, you have two first team all NBA defenders nobody could stop him but he didn't shy away from the assignment on pick and rolls of taking him 
One on one. And for what it's worth, Chris Milton didn't even step away from a big moment. Like game seven in right. Brooklyn, even Giannis shrunk a little bit, which is kind of what happens when you have a marginalized superstar. However, Giannis shrinks a little bit, but again, like I said, Chris Milton Lights came on, Chris Milton was ready to play. He's ready to play, and I can't I mean I can't blame the guy for that. Like I said, I'm still not a huge Chris Milton fan. And I will still probably dog him probably even next week. But for this week, Chris, we're on good terms. You're overpaid, <laughs> overrated. However, that's on the Bucks. That's not on Chris. That's on the Bucks, not on you. So you get a pass this week, bud. <laughs> Justin. So my noogie is a bit. It's a bit of a soft noogie, and I know Ramsey's going to have a, a nice take on this, and, and he'll probably differ with me. But the my noogie is is the the 40, the 39 other NASCAR drivers that, that are out on, on the track. Can anybody beat Kyle Larson? Can anybody keep him out of the top five? Can, I mean, this guy is phenomenal. He's running away with everything. It, it's he, he's making it hard to watch. So even though we're all Kyle Larson fans, but can anybody uh, put this guy under pressure without is NASCAR going to have to start changing the rules again? Like, like when Jimmy Johnson won seven in a row, seven championships in a row, are they going to have to start changing rules so, so they can try to get somebody to beat them? I mean, this guy is phenomenal. He, he, is, he is changing the landscape of NASCAR right before our very eyes. And, and we're not even halfway through the season yet. So amazing, but come on. The rest of these guys got to step up. I have a couple thoughts on the Kyle Larson conversation. Um, I don't want to accuse anybody of cheating. However, in a sport like NASCAR, you don't win this consistently without doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. So I'm not, I'm not trying to come out here and be like, oh, he's winning all this because he's cheating. But traditionally speaking in NASCAR, you win consistently, like he's what four weeks in a row now. Yeah, four, three, three points races, four races. Four races in a row, and he's won. It's not been close. Like I was saying, you don't get to do that in a sport like NASCAR that's as close as it is in NASCAR without doing something you're not supposed to be doing. So I'm not saying that Kyle Larson's cheating. I, I do think he's probably that good that he's able to do that. However. When it's Kyle Larson's doing it, and then Chase Elliott's right behind him, and then William Byron's right behind him, and Alex Bowman, and then Alex Bowman's two spots behind those guys. So you have four guys in your organization that is outrunning the entire rest of the field every single week. There's probably something fishy going on. Well, and I'll I'll address that here with just just one thing. This is coming from NASCAR. So after every race, as we all know, and probably most viewership knows. They inspect the cars. Chase Elliott actually just got disqualified this last week um, for having five illegal lug nuts on the car. Loose lug nuts. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. So, yeah, was there something happening from a safety standard in that, in that one car? Yes. NASCAR openly admitted, though, when you have a team that's as dominant as they are right now, that you take a little bit of a tougher look at things, make sure that you're not missing something. And to this point... Everything's been kosher. 
So I'm not saying that they're not bending the rules in some other possible way. I'm sure, you know, like you said, you know, you just don't see this. It's awesome. It's so, incredible. But to counter counter that, NASCAR also said the same guy, the the safety and um, inspection. I can't remember his exact position, so I'm going to butcher that. But um, the person who leads those also says it's really weird how much this team dominant cycles too. Not not in even the same way that's happening right now. But a couple of years ago, I think 2018, it was a lot of JGR. This year, it's a lot of HMS. So you see a lot of it. But not in that same capacity, so I'll say that. So the thing about racing, and this is how racing has always been, anyone that's been overly competitive, so Richard Petty in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you had a little bit of Taylor Bobby Hart. Isaac in the mid early 70s, David Pearson, Bobby Allison, and then you kind of got into Dale Earnhardt's, Daryl Waltrips of the world, and then you know Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and so on and so forth. Every one of these teams was cheating, and that's part of NASCAR. That's kind of why NASCAR is how it is, because for the most part, these cars are relatively spec. They're not spec, so don't take that as, oh, that's that's not true, but the chassis are very close. They're running this very similar engines. The A lot of the components that go into the car are run pretty universally across the series. It's kind of an industry standard that they're putting in these cars. So these cars for the most part, are relatively close on the top teams. The bottom teams, the top, there's going to be a big, pretty big jump in quality, right. quality of cars and parts and so on and so forth. But your top three or four teams are all based around the same stuff. So where NASCAR has been and where it is right now is whoever's dominant at the top has went through the rule book and they said, oh, we can do this and not everyone else has caught up to it yet. Kevin Harvick. Like, yeah, well, that's any sport. Any NFL with the Patriots, every other team too. Bill Cowher actually was just on the record saying that last week. That, yeah, the Patriots are the ones who got caught, but everyone was doing the same thing. Right. And just like NASCAR, everybody's cheating. Everyone's cheating at some point that's outside the rule book. And even a few back to a few years ago, Kevin Harvick with the window or his rear windshield bracket mounts, they're also talking about how uh, black painted cars are on wheel wells were a part of it, and it's just giving that little bit of an edge that makes you better. So is there probably going to be a story coming out where Hendrick was cheating at some point? Yeah, just like when even we're big Jeff Gordon fans. If you talk to Ray Evernham now about Gordon in the 90s, he won't come out and admit it, but they were doing all sorts of shit that made Jeff Gordon that much faster than everyone else. Right. So... There's something going on at Hendrick right now, so don't freak out if something does come out that's normal throughout the sport. But I don't know if you'll ever see someone do what Kyle Larson's doing in a month time ever again. Like this Kyle is Larson is one something of, special. Right now is probably the best driver in the world. No, not in the world. In in the United States, maybe. Maybe, but I mean, he's winning Kyle, every type of course. Too. Kyle Larson could not get an F1 car today. Think and so? He could not. Kyle Larson could not get an F1 car being competitive. I'm not sure. I'm convinced on that. 100. percent That's not even a question. I agree. I agree. There's no way he could beat a Lewis Hamilton right now. I don't even know if he'd necessarily be competitive in an F1 car. That's those guys are a different breed, though. Like those guys are. They start at three, and race their entire life in an F1 system, and it's just so much more advanced than what anything we have here. But in the United States, probably. He's probably the best driver in the States right now. 
Fair enough. But like I said, he, he's winning at every type of course, too. It's not like, you know, the his his mantra for so long was the king of the mile and a half. He's winning road courses, winning super speedways. Mile and a half. Mile and a half. Every, I mean, he's just winning. And it's incredible. He's, if he's not winning, he's second. He's, you know? Yeah, he, he's, he's had, what, four or five second-place finishes this year? Yeah. Along with four wins now? I, I got to touch on something just while we're on the top of, top of NASCAR. Something we kind of forgot about last week was Ty Majeski, who was racing truck last week for in, in Nashville, finished eighth. I believe he's racing truck again this week, right? He, I'd have to look and confirm that. But, yeah, finished eighth on Friday in Nashville, so... More good things from him, another top 10. He just won a big race on the Bells. He did. He also, yeah, he uh, finished eighth in Nashville on Friday, and Sunday finished, uh, he won that Dells race, so. Our boy Ty Majeski. Yeah, yeah showing pod, up once bud. again, man. We will. Working I, on that, working on that. So with that, we look around the state of Wisconsin, and we'll talk pretty heavily in the Bucks here towards the end, but a little bit of Packer news that's not news. Is Aaron Rodgers re-upping his membership at the Green Bay Country Club? So possibility things kind of writing themselves out and shaking out in the positive for the signal caller for the Packers. Don't care. Like I said, pretty much a non-story, but just just entertaining enough to to get people talking about the whole saga again. So, Rams, any any thoughts here on on the Country Club? It's a non-story. Quite frankly, I don't really care about a golf membership to, <laughs> to to a golf course for, like Ramsey said, a $200 million quarterback. None of that means shit either way, whether he's coming back or not coming back. So it's until Aaron Rodgers talks, I don't really care about this story. And I, I and quite frankly, I just wish this would just go away. Whether, I mean, we all know, we all know, I mean, the Packers have pretty much laid it out for them. Either you're playing for us or you're retired. So uh, the ball is in his court. And I don't think a goddamn golf membership is going to tell us one thing either way. I, I will say this, though. So, I do think it's a until best. Until he talks, I don't care. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, all I'm saying is that the... Packers, I think, are bluffing though, and them saying they're not going to trade him or make him retire. Like, I, I think if it came down to it, they would get something for him before just letting him walk. So I do think that's probably pretty promising that they're still doubling down on it, saying they're not trading him, not doing this, not doing that. I don't know. I, I don't know that I believe that. I, honestly, I mean, we could go into a, a long, a long conversation about why and, and where and in who we would target. But I I just think the, the fiasco, I think there is a little bit of a Brett Favre problem in this with just how bad of a fiasco it was last time that they're just going to say, listen, you're going to be a Packer for life. Either retire or play for a play your contract out. So, I mean, what, why? I guess why wouldn't why wouldn't the Packers do that? I, you could get what you can get, fine, but because you're not just going to let an asset retire without, especially as valuable as a quarterback is in today's NFL, you're just not going to let an asset walk away of that value. Like at the time when Calvin Johnson retired, he might have been worth 
a second or third round pick. He probably wasn't getting it first. So Green Bay at this point, I don't think can afford to lose all that value, even if he does. You know what, I mean? you know what I'm trying to get at? Like, I don't think that they would just let him retire. I think they would trade him before he retires. Eric? I, I'm not, honestly, I, I really don't know. Because I think, you know, at the same time, like, Green Bay has no incentive to trade him. They realize they're close enough with him. And I think everything we've said in the past, you know, couple weeks here, and on really since the end of the season, where they care about being relevant and care about being on the doorstep and being in the sports world 365 days a year, that would lead me to say that, okay, yeah, they're not going to trade away this asset. Either, you know, you're going to be a Packer here till the end of your contract or you're playing here or retiring. So I, I do see that point of it too. But on the flip side, if if he's, you know, heart set on retiring, I don't know how you, I, you know, it, it really depends on what the front office thinks of Jordan Love, and we don't know that. That's the biggest problem. And if if they're all on board with Jordan Love and think he's the guy to go to, then maybe they do maybe trade him, get a couple of draft picks, and and see what happens. Otherwise, if they're not really fully on board there either, they're you know we have they have no incentive to trade him the way it is right now. So I I guess I really don't, I without having seen Love play you know outside of a couple of videos that came out of OTAs this year. Well, well, I'll just interrupt real quick. The The one thing that Aaron Rodgers has in his court is he gets to decide who the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers is. Right. Like, he gets to decide Jordan Love's timeline. So that's the, that's realistically, that's the one thing that he has in his court. Right? Like, if if Rodgers wants to play, he's their quarterback. If if he wants out and says that I'm not playing, the Packers are probably just going to hold their ground. It, especially now, like Ramsey, you've said this a couple times. Especially now, uh, at, at, in this timeline where we are, they're just going to hold their court and let them sit, and and then he forces them to play Jordan Love, right? Well, so, even, and even if he doesn't show up, then his contract doesn't gain that year of. Right, of experience, and he doesn't get his. You know, he's still in the same position with the contract status, where he still has to play basically one more year before the Packers have a friendly enough way to trade him, if that's the route they want to go, in terms of the cap. So really, I mean, the only thing Aaron could do, and I'm, I don't think he does this because how the NFL works and whatnot, but if he gets hurt in like the preseason or training camp and collects his year of of uh, service time. And then just sits out all year until traded, but I I don't see that happening either. No way he could do that to his teammates. I've no said, way. I've said it before. I, I the only option is either Aaron's. As of this year, Green Bay will hold his contract till next. They're not losing any value on him. Aaron's not losing any value. If he doesn't play this year, that that's not shocking. It's a lost year, but it's not. It's not going to hurt either party all that off much his draft capital or trade value is still gonna be the same right going an extra if he plays this year or not so if anything him not playing this year would probably increase that value 
Because he doesn't get hurt. He doesn't get hurt. Him not being hurt. And so, I, I think it's a pretty non-story Justin kind of said until he says something. Or, or does something. Does. Or does something. It's really at this point. And, or if we get a very close source of very, this is what's happening information. But I don't, I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. Yeah, I, I think the closest we're going to get is James Jones or AJ Hawk. And they're saying kind of, yeah, there's some issues here, but they're being worked on. And what the content and, and status of that work, we'll never know. So I guess we'll see. Um, so with that, I guess we can transition into the Milwaukee Bucks. We said quite a bit about them surviving the second round, the quarter or the semifinals of the Eastern Conference. Uh, second round matchup against Brooklyn. Now they are, as we speak, playing Atlanta coming up on the half. And Bucks open tonight. They open game one as an eight point favorite. They open the series as a plus four or a minus four fifty. Um a favorite in the the Eastern Conference Finals to beat Atlanta too. So um yeah, I you know, I really after watching most of that Brooklyn series, I think there's a lot of warts and stuff that needs to be covered up. But at the same time, I, I really think that this is their best shot at it now too. So they're if they're gonna win, they have to do it this year or make some major changes, answer some major questions. Personally, I think the the finals are really in the Western Conference right now. The LA Phoenix series, I think, in my opinion, both those teams are better than the two teams watching tonight. Um, Atlanta obviously is hot. They've been playing well to this point, but I think Atlanta got past Philadelphia more so on Philadelphia's problems. More so than Atlanta being the better team, and I say I say a lot of that with Milwaukee as well. I think Brooklyn had issues, not Milwaukee deserved from that series. So the other two teams that are playing out west, that I'm guessing a lot of people probably haven't watched because they're on so late. But Phoenix is really good. They're playing a really good team basketball right now, and the Clippers minus Kawhi right and. They've played excellent too. I think that game, the series probably was six. I'm going to say Suns probably in six. I'm going to say Milwaukee probably in six. Five or six, probably. Five or six, probably. I'm thinking. So the NBA, like we talked about already, is probably nervous about that finals. That's probably their least favorite outcome, but I think those are probably the two teams most likely to be there. Well, and I, I said this to you earlier today. The Bucks have the most recent championship of the four teams left, and that was 1971. So just the single fact that they're, they're basically either going to get a new champion or for all intents and purposes a new champion because the people who are primarily Bucks fans in 71 – are a lot older, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily the core demographic of the NBA anymore. So basically, I mean, like I said, you're basically getting a new champion. You're basically going to have a, you're going to have a new team in the finals in some capacity. 
Kind of like Toronto, well, not even like Toronto Golden State because it was still Golden State there, but you still get something different. And I think in one aspect, yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's smaller market teams. It's teams that don't have that necessary mainstream appeal. They've got a couple stars, whether that be Brooklyn, or excuse me, uh, Phoenix with Booker. And then in the same conversation, Chris Paul, you've got... Kawhi, the Kawhi list, uh, Clippers with playoff P, Paul George, but still even kind of a dim- more diminished superstar as of late. And then you've got Trey Young, who's a budding superstar, but a lot of other unknowns on the team. And you've got Milwaukee with Giannis. The, really, the NBA's best case scenario is probably Milwaukee Phoenix that's left. No, the best case scenario is Atlanta, LA. Really? That's their. That's what the NBA from, wants. From market size, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's going to get was. the most. That's going to get the most views. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's all the NBA actually cares about is how many people watch the finals. I, if you get Milwaukee Phoenix, I that's where I hope it is, and I think there's a lot of basketball fans that hope it is. However, the finals for the most part have been a storyline pushed by stars, and in my opinion, there's no stars left. Giannis is a star, but Giannis isn't mainstream star. Well, Chris Paul. He's not mainstream anymore, though. He was. And people might remember Chris Paul, but people who aren't necessarily NBA fans aren't going to turn the, the TV on to watch Chris Paul. Chris Paul doesn't move numbers. No one left moves numbers. I guess that's my point. So if, the, if what the NBA is saying, they're saying, I hope it's Atlanta, huge market. I hope it's LA, huge market. However, Basel fans are probably pulling for Phoenix and insert team. Either Atlanta or Block. I'm not really sure what the national feeling of the Bucks are. It's it's pretty they the Bucks are more loved, I would say, outside of Wisconsin than maybe in Wisconsin. As for the casual basketball fan. That's probably fair. And I mean, granted, Milwaukee's diehard Bucks fans are diehards. I mean, even you know, watching TV tonight, the Deer District looks awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's chop full of people. But I think your casual basketball fan, yeah, no, I get. So, what, in my opinion, the casual basketball fan is not turning someone that's not going to watch the finals regardless, isn't going to turn on the, t- the TV for anyone. That's still left. No, and and you know even with the draw of L.A., it's the B team of L.A. That's what I'm saying. Even the Clippers, they're they're pulping the Clippers just because L.A. is a huge market, but it's a Laker town. Right. People don't pull for the Clippers in L.A. It'd be the same thing with Brooklyn. I mean, the Nets, they're still the B team in New York. Yeah, the Knicks are the A team. As as messed up as that is, given the success of the Nets as a whole. It's it's still the Knicks. When they I, play I in the never, Garden. I've never understood that either. Well, they play in the Garden. That's that's what it comes so, down to. I never and, got, I never got and that appeal. The Nets always were in New Jersey, technically. But the the Knicks have been irrelevant my entire life. For the most part, they've had they had a couple of big weeks with Jeremy Lin. That was the biggest the Knicks have ever been. Well, I mean, early before we can really remember basketball, when they had they were pretty famous yeah. in the nineties. Um, I'd say early on with Carmelo and Amari Stoudemire when that was a thing for a while. But they, those teams weren't good though. 
those teams were talented, but they weren't good. Like they didn't. Did they even make an Eastern Conference Finals with those teams? I do not believe so. No. So that's what I'm saying. I, I just cannot believe that the Brooklyn Nets aren't the A team in New York, but I don't know. Well, it's you're talking history with it. You're talking in locational where they play and all the stuff that we've said already. I would agree with most of what you said as far as players and markets, but to me, I'll disagree. And I still think that the, and this may be my home team nature in me, but I still think the Milwaukee bucks are the best team left. I understand that, um, that, that, the Phoenix is hot and, and you have Paul George and you have, and you have a, uh, a, t- a team with Paul George and, and Kawhi in, in LA. Those are talented teams. Uh, LA is a very talented team. How, how they're struggling right now, even with Kawhi on the floor is, is kind of mind boggling. But they have the, the thing about LA is they, they went down two nothing in both series that they won already. Think about that. They're not clicking. They're they must. They're not coached well. Yeah, or something. but the Clippers though they go down 0-2 in both series, but it's not like the Clippers are playing in the East either. Those the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz, both of those teams would be a one or two seed probably in the East. Dallas probably be a three or four. Those no. teams, yeah, those teams. I don't think people understand how much more talented the West is right now than the East. The Washington Wizards made the playoffs in the East. I mean, yeah, but the top of the East is so strong. No, Philadelphia just proved they're not. They can't be confident enough to win a game. Milwaukee got lucky that Brooklyn was missing two of their stars, and then it's Milwaukee. And I think Milwaukee is probably the best team left in the East, but that's not really saying all that much. I mean. The, the Lakers, if you're saying everyone stays healthy, the Brooklyn Nets don't lose that series. The Lakers probably win their series. The Clippers win their series. Utah's better. I mean, the West is just so much. Their eighth seed was what, Dallas? Or the Grizzlies? Yeah. The Grizzlies is probably a five seed in the East. No way. Yeah. They're I better, don't they're, agree. They're better, they're agree. better than the Wizards. We'll agree to disagree on that. They're better than Miami. Are you crazy? The Grizzlies are the better Grizzlies than Miami. The Grizzlies are better than Miami? If not as good. No way. Come on. I mean, there's takes, but but that, that what, one is... What is the record? Come on. You can't, you can't honestly believe that the Memphis Grizzlies are just as good as Miami. Did, have you watched them all? Yes, John I have. And they're not even close. Keep going, guys. I'm I'm entertained. <laughs> no, let's, you're being so. I, I, there's we're a, on a Wisconsin podcast, and we're talking about whether the Memphis Grizzlies are as good as Miami Heat. Come at, on, at the end of the season, they were. At, the, at that's not that's facts. Though that team won one or two games against Utah, and that series was relatively close. Miami couldn't get a win against Milwaukee, and again, in my opinion, Milwaukee's. A good team, but they have a lot of flaws. And what happens when they win the championship? 
I don't think they're going to. I think whoever comes out of the West is better. They very well could, and if if they do, I would say it's not necessarily based on them being more talented, it's them having more experience. For what it's worth, Milwaukee's been in some very big games, and they have some somewhat veteran players, whereas with the Phoenix Suns, that's not necessarily the case. And even for the Clippers, really outside of Kawhi Leonard, there's not a lot of finals experience there either. So you might be able to convince me that Milwaukee ends up pulling this out due to the fact they have some veteran players with playoff experience and big game experience. But I don't necessarily think that outside of that, that's I don't think that Milwaukee's more talented than one of the two teams out west right now. They're the deepest team for sure. I'd agree with that. No. The Suns are deeper By than Milwaukee far. is. The Suns go nine no, they deep. Are. The Suns go nine deep. This, and the Clippers also go nine deep. They played nine or ten guys in the last series. Those teams are super deep. Milwaukee's playing what seven, eight? No, eight. Tonight already, Milwaukee's played nine, and it's all guys who play on a consistent basis. They've played, so they start tonight, and this is just tonight's game, game one. You're not even talking, but deep potential. Right, so they've got Holiday, Lopez, Middleton, uh, Giannis, and B.J. Tucker. Bobby Portis has played 11 minutes. Jeff T. played 6. Pat Conson played 14, and Bryn Forbes only played 4 in the first half of Game 1 tonight. So that's a very consistent 9-deep team. Maybe Jeff T. doesn't play as much as if, if DiVincenzo's healthy. You're still going 9-10-deep right there, and that's guys who consider... You know, good 9-10-deep. I, I'd have to, I, like I said, I think they're a very deep team. I think that helps the Bucks out a lot. I do, I do agree with Ramsey. Is there, there are faults in this team. I think I was texting a friend a week ago or so, and said that I, I'm not sure if Milwaukee has any business winning a championship ordinarily, and with the way this roster is constructed. But what I would say is that they found themselves in a position. They've matched strike for strike against everyone they've played. I've had two games now where I can actually, or three games now where I can point in in the playoffs this far that these are games that they would probably lose in the past. Definitely game one against my against Miami, where they had to survive and grind it out to get to that win, and what started off with a, a dominating sweep of the Heat. I'd point to game three, like Justin said earlier, where it was an ugly win, but they still survived it. They went punch for punch with Brooklyn and survived game seven same thing so you see a really resilient deep team that i can't i can't put my finger on and i can't explain what it is but even last year two years ago these are games that this team would have lost so just for reference justin uh the memphis Grizzlies were 38 and 34 the miami heat were 40 and 32 so two game difference and memphis plays in the harder conference just, just throwing that out there. That's right. opinion. That's not fact. It is fact. The West is better. That, that, no, that's not fact. That's outside, definitely of, outside opinion. of the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat, the West has won every single. So three rings. The West has had the other seven. That doesn't happen by just not being better. 
the top team may be better. What is, what is that point? That's Mem- not a that's not a very good point. I'm saying There's- Memphis was the eight seed. Golden State was the nine. Both of those teams were as good, if not better, than Miami. And you'd be wrong. In my opinion, you'd be wrong. There's no way you're going to convince me that a team like Miami, with a great coach like Eric Spolstra, is even in the same conversation as Memphis. Give me a break with that. Come on. There, there's not. There's one guy that can. John ja Morant, and the only thing that he could do is 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 fly through the sky and slam the ball. Other than that, who do they have? Jonas Vashanalunas or what? However you say his name, Valanciunas. Yeah, there you go. When's the last time he made an All Star? When's the last time he was an All NBA team? Who's an All NBA team on Miami? Or who's an All NBA? Jimmy Butler. He was an All NBA. I mean, so we're talking about bottom teams, right? Like I said, Miami is not as they're the sixth seed. So, and like I said, they play in the worst conference. You're telling me that the 76ers, who are your, what, one seed? 76ers are the one. And you're telling me they're better than the one seed in the East or the West? You're telling me the 76ers today are better than the Utah Jazz were? Yes. Did you watch Utah Jazz? I, w- I would tell you that for they're, sure. So the star point guard from Philadelphia can't free throws. Joel Embiid can't stay healthy. No, but but they probably Harris. have what? The the second or, th- or or third best guy that's over seven feet in the NBA in Joel Embiid. Sure, but he can't stay healthy. I mean, so I'm just telling you, and this is a fact: the West is better than the East is, and it's not close. Well, and like I said, you'd be wrong. What do you want to bet the games were West versus this year? Bet what? I don't give a shit what. I'm I'm rooting for Milwaukee. I don't care who gets there. I just want Milwaukee to win. The 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 argument of whether I still think Milwaukee's the best goddamn team left. I don't I, I don't really care what anybody else says. To be honest with you, it, it's it's a foolish conversation. Bottom line in my book, go Milwaukee. All right then. The show is terrible. <laughs> No, I, well, I, I just. What, what do you want me to say? I just, you, you can argue all you want, but to anybody that would have watched or or said, even with Kevin Durant over the, even with the last round with Kevin Durant, everybody would have said the Brooklyn was the best team. No. Would you have not left? No. Left? No. The Clippers are better than well, Phoenix. Huh? No, Brooklyn was not the best team with Kyrie and Kevin Durant and James Harden. They were not the best team, no. They can only play about seven deep. You can win, and you can make some fool's gold, and you can win the East, but when you start playing those teams from the West, and they're going to run 10 deep rotation with guys playing serious minutes, no, they're not the best team. I don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't uh, play the games. Sure. That's why we play the games, boys. That's ridiculous. I, ridiculous? What's next on? What's Justin, next you already on said that you don't watch the Western Conference games. I've actually watched these teams yes, play. I do. You yes, I said, do. You, I asked earlier, do you guys watch Phoenix at all? And you're like, oh, no, not really. Yes, I do. 
I then, said, I said no, no, really. Then you would that know that the Knicks are the best team left. Don't put words in my mouth. I said I do. And I, with my eye test, from what I watch and from what I know, Milwaukee is the best team left. Bottom line. So here's. I mean, do they have the best coach? No. Then I don't think they do. I, in fact, I think Monty Williams is probably the best coach left. That's my opinion. So here's what I'll say as our, as our producer and neutral party. Vegas would agree with Justin. The Bucks are the odds-on title favorite at this point, which Vegas traditionally isn't wrong in that sense. I mean, that's why they play the games, and more often than not, that's the reason they're still in business. Betting books, Vegas, all have Milwaukee. So I will give Justin that. What I would say to kind of Ramsey's point is uh, the West was a lot more competitive with better records this year, but that could just be, you know, maybe the East is beating up on itself. I, I'll be honest, like I said, I did not watch a whole lot of NBA this year. I've probably watched more in the last couple of weeks with the playoffs here, but still not a whole lot. I don't know. I, I've i been in, entertained by all all the games going on here. I do think the Bucks, if this is if they're going to win it, this is their year to do it. Got David Bakhtiari... Back at it, chugging beer on the sideline of the Bucks games. This, like I said, this team is resilient. They've got better options than they've had in the years past, especially, like I said, Drew Holiday. Chris Milton's finally stepping up. Giannis is finally playing for the moment a little bit better than in the past. You've got a lot of good stuff going on. So I'm going to take the homer route, go Bucks, and Vegas would agree. So with that I'm said, with, <laughs> with that said, Wisconsin did have a pretty good week. They they got uh, three or four commits, albeit not not very highly recruited guys. Just back at the end of recruiting class, kind of guys, some under the radar, but they got four commits to come in and and. Uh, so they're finally off to a start. Now, now they could start attacking some of the bigger guys on their list and and uh, hopefully show up. Have you seen their – they released their jerseys for the upcoming Notre Dame game? You seen those? Stupid. Really? That's a, I thought they were sharp. It's a soldier field. Terrible. I thought they were supposed to play Lambo. Was that last year? That was last year. got rescheduled in 2026, I think. I don't know what you like, don't like about them. I am a big fan of these, Justin. They're ugly as hell. Come on, let's go. Let's get let's get a little for a, a futuristic. This this uh, this white stripe of of the word forward going through our, our our W, and then it's just what our plain white uniforms. I mean, come on, these are this isn't like this big you know, alternate uniform. All you did was change the helmet a little bit. Uh, numbers work. are a little different too. I like, the, I, I, I think they're crisp and clean. I'm a big fan. They're ugly. What would what you do? All right, here you go. Ram. I want to see, I want to see black. I want to see all red. I want to see black and red. I want to see it. I want, I, I want some, some thinking going on here. Something, I, something. I like them. I'm, I think I'm adjusting though that, Let's do something a little different. So, for, to make it a special, you need. 
it's not really anything different enough for me. But with the fact that they have to wear them at home, so they have to go or at, on the road technically, it was a home and home essentially. So they have to wear the whites. Sure. So I, I guess I, what else do you do with white and red? I mean, what do you do with? I mean, any of these teams, they they come up with better stuff than that. Like Ohio State has those. Was it the those alternate helmets that have yeah. the, the the chrome on it? Let's throw some chrome on there. Let's make some chrome W's on a flat white background. So chrome red logo, white flat white background on the helmet. And then you can do some really cool things with numbers nowadays that have some of that. It's big little flashy. You know, that kind of looks like what Wisconsin as a college is. Very academic, very clean, very straightforward. But that's not necessarily always... Make it flashy. Make it a jersey sale. Make it a cash grab. Right. And I hope I hope when Macintosh comes in, he kind of kind of leans that way and and pushes it and pushes it that way. I'm sorry, I got distracted by Trey Young yelling at the ref here. Um, but it's it's ugly. It's it's not the word the word forward on, on the helmet. Doesn't do anything for. I mean, sure, it's it's your. What do you what do you what would you call that, Eric? Your uh, slogan. Your motto, yeah, there you go. Slogan. Catchphrase. Your, there you go. Screw that. I'm with I'm with Ramsey on this. Let Let's go crazy. Make it a catch grab. Let's think futuristic. Move forward in a different direction. In in. I don't know. I mean, Oregon really set the trend with uh, Oregon and Nike really set the trend with with the uniforms and the alternate. Like Oregon's got like twenty some different uniform combinations. I don't think don't we they? need to do what Oregon's doing, but like I said, you can do a, a little bit. Yeah, and you and that's I, I agree. Like you can do something that, like I said, if you're gonna do the jersey and waste the time putting it out, make it a cash grab. Make it so it's a can't. All the people want it to make it cool. That's very academic, very cool. I, I don't hate it, but I do understand. Like, if it was me, I'd want it to be a little more in your face. Like, let's do something a little different that's not necessarily in our comfort zone. That's so what that was. The only thing I can think of, just given the color scheme and given what Wisconsin does, because they don't usually incorporate black. Red. And there's, there's, there's a problem with sports jerseys as a whole, kind of just doing black to do black. But that so that's kind of. I think it, it would work with Wisconsin, but I think one thing that you could do, and just to kind of to go with you on this, Ramsey, is go all white with a red trim around gray letters or gray numbers. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like you don't have to. There's there's some room for it. I do like the all white as opposed to like you know maybe white with red pants or something. I guess, but what they did with did the safe route. They played it safe. That's a very safe uniform, and that's a uniform that everyone's going to look at and be like, hey, that's all right. I like that. That's nice. Where I think they should have went for it a little bit and put something a little – just if you're going to do like an off uni- – or a one-off jersey like that, just uniform in general, make it something that people are going to be like, oh, remember that jersey? Like remember those ones that Boise State wore back in like, 2009? Oh, yeah, yeah. That were white with the blue and the, they had the big Bronco on the side? Like we're still talking about stuff like that. Or like the 
neon and gray uniforms that Oregon wore and the national title game. You know, there's yep. a lot of those that are out there that we still talk about today as like, how cool was that? Even TCU when they did the Rose Bowl unis that had the oh yeah the rose and the horn frog that they believe they beat Wisconsin that day. They did Wisconsin actually did yep. something really cool with that. They had like the roses in the numbers, but that's what I'm saying. Like you have the opportunity to do it, you might as well. What I, the only counter I have to that yet, and there's another one more Wisconsin take I want to get on here on record. The only other Wisconsin thing that they could have done, or to kind of keep in consideration, is the fact that they're playing Notre Dame. So you're going to have a very, like, traditional versus traditional old school versus old school type thing. So I kind of, in that aspect, it's kind of a matter of, okay, I can see why they went this route for this specific game. I do agree with you. I wish it was a little bit flashier. I do like the look. I wish it was a little bit flashier. I wish Wisconsin would do that. But what I would say is, given the opponent, given the field, given the whole entire nature of that game, I get it. Can we just talk about how Milwaukee has Trey Young a little flustered right now? Wow, fuck. Can you talk about how bad they are at shooting at the rim right now? Jesus. And for what we're talking Giannis about, you in, in, I'm so I'm, I'm fed up with this, man. I love the Bucks uniforms. The current ones? Yeah, they're yes. playoff special ones, right? They are. They're sharp. I like the antlers on the is. side. So do I. And that cream, like the cream white instead of yeah. like the traditional regular white. No, I, I, I've ever since they did that refresh a few years ago, I've loved the Bucks shirts ever since. Bucks have some sharp uniforms. So what I would say though, so one more Wisconsin thing here just before we, we conclude. Have you guys seen the Wisconsin Badgers conversation with Greg Gard that got released this week? Yes. What do you as a as a basketball coach, just or former basketball coach at this point? How do you feel about this type of thing? First of all, getting out, or first of all, happening, but also then getting out. It has to happen. In reality, that has to happen. Not every kid is gonna like or everything you do. I think one of the quotes was, "Is I'm not here to build up your name, right?" But. In sense, you really are because he recruited you, right? So there has to be honesty within a conversation. And you're talking about a, what you expect. You, you've, you're taking a kid. That coach, Greg Gard, is taking a kid, and he's growing him into a man. He's getting him a degree. He, 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 this kid is growing into a man to take the next step in his life post-basketball at Wisconsin. And if that kid at that time cannot have an honest conversation with a guy that sat in his living room with his parents and told his parents that he's going to take care of their kid, then what the hell are we doing? I'm sure this, I, I'm, I'm 150,000% sure that this happens all over the place. It has to. You look at a Wisconsin kid in Jalen Johnson. He probably had this conversation with Coach K when he when he walked away in the middle of the year. Coach K, I love you. I think I I thank you for for recruiting me down to Duke. But it's in my best interest to to get away from this for the draft, right? 
those conversations happen all over America with college students, even with high school students. And I've had those conversations with high school students. Some kids just don't react to the way you coach. And maybe you have to coach kids differently. That's just reality of life, right? You, you're not going to like Ramsey's a boss at work. You don't treat everybody the same. You, you may hold them to the same standard, but how you get to that standard may be different. So how I feel about it, it it's terrible that the conversation was leaked, leaked via uh, a recording. That's just not right. Email too. And, and, but to, to, for America to be blind and, and say that this, that this is happening and it shouldn't be happening, you're wrong. You're, you're absolutely wrong. It, so, it happens. It happens at every level. So just because I think we talked about this pretty deeply at the end of the season, the fact that Brad Davison's the only one coming back, and and now that we know that this conversation happened and, and some of the content of that conversation, is it all a problem within Wisconsin basketball that these players are feeling this way? I think one quote. I can't. I have to see it as to who said it. Um, but there was one quote saying that they don't feel that this impacts you know when they have recruits coming in that he doesn't feel that he can justify saying that they sh- that players should come here because of the way that this program's run so when they bring recruits in you have players who are saying this I, I don't know if that's a bigger knock on guard or if that's a knock on just the culture of the players who are there and who have been there. Uh, I think that there's probably a little bit of an issue with Greg Garden because he takes over for Bo Ryan, right? Right. And he has immediate success with Bo Ryan's guys. They haven't been as good since. <laughs> well, and to be fair, though, I mean, that's quite the act of... No, and I'm not saying that that's not, but that happens in... So I'm not saying that we need to hold Greg Gard to the same center we hold Bull Ryan to. However, throughout history, not necessarily just in basketball, but any time you have a legendary coach be replaced with a successor, there's instant success right away. But as time goes on, usually the true colors start coming through. And you're trying to run a program like Bull Ryan, but you're not Bull Ryan. I, the one that comes to mind right now, and I, I didn't see it personally, but with Miami, when Jimmy Johnson goes to the Cowboys and Barry Switzer takes over, they win a national title, right? But then the whole thing, kind of, the wheels kind of come off just because it's not Jimmy Johnson's team anymore. I think we're going to see the same thing with, uh, was it Ryan Day from Ohio State? Right. After he takes over from Urban Meyer, you know, Ryan Day comes sit down in my house. I'm not listening to him the same as I listen to Herbert Meyer. So I think that's a, the next one to kind of keep your eye out on, that Ohio State might kind of dwindle off a little bit just due to the fact it's not a Jim Trussell or Urban Meyer sitting in your living room. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of the way sports is. You can't really, like kind of you were just saying, Justin, you can hold everyone to the same standard, but sometimes that standard isn't realistic for that person to actually meet. And that's kind of, Bo Ryan had it, was able to recruit guys to Wisconsin, wanted to play for Wisconsin, and then on top of that, were able to meet academic requirements, right? So you're, doing, you're having two things, where you're getting top flight athletes, 
who are also going to some of the most strict academic requirements in the country. So that's not an easy task to do. So players do it like Duke is another one, but it's not just as easy as saying, hey, I want to go there and play basketball for six months. Yeah, well, and I'm just going to add this. There, there's a lot to the story that's going to be leaked out yet. Th this story is not done. Um, and one and one aspect of this story is I want to know what happened to Alondo Tucker and why he all of a sudden wasn't coming back. Uh, yeah, because he, he got dismissed he, in the middle of the season. And he was a no, player not, favorite, was he not? No, he didn't get to – he just – he, I don't think he got dismissed in the middle of the season. I, he just was, he came out himself and said that he wasn't coming back. So, I, and obviously he, a lot, just a, a short recap is Alondo Tucker. He, he uh, came in and filled Howard Moore's shoes after, after the terrible incident that happened with Howard Moore and his family. Uh, but he was easily a shoe in to fill that spot permanently. But, for some reason, and this is where this story is going to go, it's either with – there's a lot more to this Greg Gard story that, that's going to get come – it's going to get shot out, and uh, it, it, might, it, it might paint a, a, a pretty ugly picture about what's going on in, within that basketball program. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely – so you were right in the sense that um, it should have – it was at the end of the season. They went with uh, Sharif Cambliss – or Shambliss, uh, who was another assistant at the time, former UW player. Yeah, and that's just a weird thing, because if I remember correctly, he was a very much a favorite of the players, too. So, not to cut you off, Eric, but does that say something about what happened with the Wisconsin Badgers last season? No, I, it absolutely does. If dysfunction in the in team in general, that it kind of explains some of those losses where you're like, what's going on? Well, did, did you read it all the story, Ramsey? I did not know. So there's there's very much a lot of that because some of the audio that got picked up was there was a moment in the previous season during that when they went on that really hot run. Yeah. And then there was a really emotional post-game meeting. Something happened. Um, and they all kind of sat together, cried together, got through it, overcame, and then came back for this last year. So I think Micah Potter said in in the audio here in this and that's gotten leaked here from this season was that they had a disconnect playing for this guy where you know in the past they had a relationship with this guy and they didn't feel it was there this year. Well, but that like I said, that kind of explains everything that happened over the last eighteen months. With no, Wisconsin it absolutely does. It absolutely does. That makes all the sense in the world that when you go to these big games. And you feel the disconnect with your head coach. That's a big issue. So this is this is a quote from Micah Potter said. Ultimately, or quote ultimately, coach, we just want that guy that came to us last year and apologized in tears. I'm not saying you have to cry and apologize, but that honestly was the biggest turning point last year. We felt, wow, we can play for this guy and we can relate to this guy. And Saint Nate Reavers had a lot of disconnect. Brad Davis or Demetri Trice even. Um, had said last year we were playing for one another, but we were just we were also playing for you. I felt like we had a disconnect this season. Is we're not playing for you right now. We're not playing. Or we're not here to build your resume, so to speak, with all the respect given. <laughs> that says a lot right there. That says a lot without saying a right lot. Right there, absolutely. That 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 was the quote I was talking about. 
And, and if you go back even to into our earlier episodes when we were covering this in in in, in um, the end of February, in, January, in the start of March, February, March, right? Yeah, we we were always saying, "What is going on with this team? Why hasn't Nate Reavers really progressed? Why why is why is Demetric Trice so up and down in, in the leadership role and?" And how he's playing with the basketball, pounding the ball on the floor. We've said that multiple times. So you could see it. And, and now it's all coming to light. And Well, here's my, I don't know. my only oh, rebuttal. Poor Chris McIntosh is walking into a firestorm on July 1st. My only rebuttal to that and my biggest concern with that. So you had seven seniors who made up the majority of the minutes from that basketball team. Mm-hmm. And then you also had... Um, Couple, you know, you also had Jonathan Davis mixing in, and a couple of the other younger guys mixing in. But you had guys who had been there who all felt this way. You know, you look at the story; you had at least seven guys who all felt this way. So, in that instance, I kind of wonder what was happening between the players too, because worst case scenario, kind of what I I almost think we're almost kind of seeing with the Bucks, and and one thing I want to touch on with the Bucks was that. That end of that game seven, there were so many lapses in coaching where the Bucks, like I said, they tried giving away the, especially that final possession with a shot clock violation and then just a whole mess. But at the same time, you know, you look at this team, you had seven seniors who seemed all to be on the same page and, and not being on the same page with the coaching staff, but same page together in their attitude towards us. And I think. I can pro I can say honestly I've been on a team that had a disconnect with the coaching staff, but at the same time like we've been together as players, so I'm almost wondering if there wasn't like a divide between the players then too, because Brad Davison chose to come back. Brad Davison seems like a quote unquote company guy, but that makes all the sense in the world though, it really does. Like all this entire article, it just it kind of validates everything that we were kind of saying before on like what's going on with this team and why are they underachieving and that's i think that's saying nice yeah but but that's what i'm saying is even the disc if even if you have a disconnect between players and coaching staff was there that much of a discrepancy between even the teammates there had to been something there too then because i'm sure i i almost kind of feel you you probably had a difference between michael potter who was an outside guy versus brad davison who was like that company guy who's coming back nope you had Trevor Davis or Trevor um, Anderson who transferred in from Green Bay, who like Michael Potter probably didn't have that same you know you didn't recruit me here in- initially, I kind of came here after different circumstances. You had Nate Reavers who kind of got tossed aside and didn't develop, so he's probably got a whole different lens on this whole thing too. Yeah. So you've got at, at the very least right there three different lenses, and then you got to figure out where Demetrius Trice fits in there too. Which she seems more kind of in line with the, the between Brad Davison and Potter. But probably still a fourth lens of, okay, yeah, I'm loyal here. This is my team. But at the same time, yeah, I can definitely, I don't feel like I can play with this coaching staff too. So you have almost four or five different lenses just as players who couldn't even band together against a common opponent here, common, you know, common measure here either. So that that just all sorts of dysfunction that is kind of terrifying if you're looking at the state of this team, especially coming into a team 
we're going to have a lot of young guys having to play a lot of minutes this coming season. And yeah, absolutely. And you don't know what it, and maybe Alano Tucker was the guy that represented the players and he, and he was part of the rift with, with the guard, you know, where does Alano Tucker fit in all this? That's the biggest thing, because if you're talking about players that can't do it, and then now you're talking about an assistant coach that, well, here's the confusing part about it could get ugly. Here's the confusing part of the Alano Tucker mix too. So, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when Greg Gard was the assistant to Bo Ryan, Greg Gard was the most like universally loved assistant coach. Doesn't that mm-hmm. mean kind of like what Ramsey said with Howard, you know, with Switzer taking over for Jimmy Johnson? Once they kind of get in that power role, and they have to change their outlook, you know, not being, you know, maybe being going from the guy that the players came to when they're pissed off at Bo Ryan. And then became the guy that had to take over the ship. But also, none of these guys were recruited by Bo anymore. Right. Bo's been out of the coaching since 2015. 2015-2016 season. Yep. We'll see. So, you're kind of sitting at a point here where, okay, <clears throat> none of these guys are Bo Ryan guys. These are all Greg Gard guys. But he was always that guy. And Alano Tucker, actually, if I'm not mistaken, played under Greg Gard. So I wonder what the disconnect was there too, kind of what Justin's saying, because if you look back, like I said, you know, if you look at those, you know, Wisconsin's always had really good video packages for their seniors, interviews with the seniors, and putting together and mixing, you know, some of their highlights and talking about what Wisconsin meant to them. Greg Gard was always that guy that got mentioned as Wisconsin basketball, aside from Coach Ryan. So there's some disconnect, and I don't know where it is. Like Justin said, though, it sounds like this story is far from over. So we will, I'm sure, get the f- more of it eventually. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you got retort, re- reporters that are going to be, I mean, so far down Greg Gard's throat and and Barry Alvarez's throat and even Chris McIntosh's throat to to find this out. And I'm sure that there's been so many emails and phone calls already to Alano Tucker to see what the hell happened. Hey, he's got easy out. I mean, he's, he's got a private business that I think is very successful that he could do. Um, that, that I think that he, he could just easily say, this is what I wanted to do and, and kind of keep himself out of the, the limelight. But privately, what are those conversations going to be with, with the administration? If, if we can't, if, if he's already headed downhill with belief in his players, and you lose, I mean, you got a kid that dreamed of playing at Wisconsin in Trevor Anderson that left a scholarship on the table at UWGB to walk on at Wisconsin. And he gives that up to go play for that. Valpo. Yeah. It, there's something, if this thing is starting to go downhill, how far are we going to go down this hill before we just try to cut our losses? And we have to remember, Greg, Wisconsin didn't really go through the, the interview process for a head coach. They didn't really get to target candidates. Bo Ryan did this for his buddy. You know, he, he left with, what, four games into a season after he's playing, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff or whatever. He left. He, he did this for his buddy. He loaded him a roster to get him the the job. And if he can't handle it, or if he can't get along, 
or or he can't get players to believe in him. This program is going downhill, and it has been going downhill for since 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 he took over, right? Well, it's hard to say that they they've won a share of the Big Ten. They've made the the tournament. How many? All of his years, right, Eric? No, nope, they missed. They missed in 2018. But it kind of isn't okay. making the tournament and the, the Fort Wisconsin basketball kind of the minimum, though. Uh, and that's kind of the point, though, is they they've only they missed out 2018. You have, uh, to, you have to realize there's only 32 at-large bids. So no, I, mean, I, I get that, but I'm saying just for basketball at Wisconsin, I feel making the tournament's kind of the minimum. That's what it should be after you go to two straight Final Fours and a national championship game. I, You're I mean, absolutely right. That's just like how Duke and Kentucky is. Like making the tournament's kind of the minimum. It's the expectation. And I think that's where Wisconsin's at right now. And we hold Wisconsin basketball for the most part to a very high standard, which they should be at. And I, they seem to be, like again, this year they made the tournament, but it was still. What was lackluster? They were, they were underwhelming at times. And, and we, now that we have some of this information, we can kind of see why, you know, they'd have moments of such greatness. But then also I want to know Brad Davison's take as to, why I mean, what he felt, and you know, you see some of his quotes in here as to what led him to come back. I'm sure there wasn't a whole lot of other schools just jumping at the bit to get him if he were to answer, you know, enter the transfer portal. And it's not like he was gonna, you know, go to the NBA or you know any route there either. So unless he he must just love the game that much. I don't know. I want to know what brought him back too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I agree on on one of your takes there. That I I I would assume that he would be a. Uh... He would be a hot commodity on the transfer on the transfer market. Uh, yeah, but the, well, he, he he didn't even look at it. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the part that I'm kind of like, yeah. if unless he had some inside knowledge and maybe he wouldn't have been recruited that heavily or wouldn't have been a school he wanted to to finish out at. I I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, everyone else left except him. Either they went pro or went to go you know explore other professional opportunities or they transferred. He didn't either. So unless he's either that just that much on the Greg Gard train, I I don't know. Which and I'm sure Greg Gard. I, I mean, he seems like a good guy, right? I. So him being on that train, it might just been disconnect with some of the players that were on the way out, right? I mean, that just could be right. that sometimes relationships run a course, and that might have been what it is too. I mean, I hope it's kind of what it is. I hope it just kind of ran into play, problems with last year's players and. Well, and I'm sure an element of it is looking at how good they were that one season. You know, the previous season, things come to a stop. You go through a pandemic, and then you're kind of just, it's maybe one of those situations you're just in the same room for too long, yep. and, you know, you can't really get out, and, you know, you don't have the whole college experience. You're not traveling as much and and doing the same routine as you normally would in a normal season. So maybe there's an element of that, too. And I, I hope that's what that is. Right. I, I hope it, like, just for this... Safe at Green Bay. I hope that's what it is. Wisconsin. Or, sorry. But yeah. So, time will tell. <laughs> time will tell. With that, I guess we can conclude the show with what we always wrap it up with. What we are rooting for this upcoming week. I'll go first. I'm guess I'm gonna take what I kind of would default to. I'll be in Milwaukee for the Brewer game reopening day Friday. Corbin Burns on the mound. He'll have the stadium at full capacity for the first time since. 
September of 2019. And they'll have the whole festivities like a normal opening day, so that'll be really cool. I'll be celebrating my birthday down there, so I'm really looking forward to that. So that's what I'm rooting for this week. Ramsey? I'm rooting for the Phoenix Suns to beat Milwaukee <laughs> in the finals. Justin? I'm rooting for the Milwaukee Bucks to beat the Phoenix Suns in the NBA finals. Predictable. <laughs> uh, where are they racing this week, Ramsey? I don't even know. That's that's terrible. I mean, I feel really bad about that. I, the one job we give you. I know the one. Uh, your specialty. And I'm not even paying attention. Just, I, I've been watching a bunch of NBA lately, so I've kind of. What do you got, Eric? Uh, Ramsey's the one looking up right now. I'm just watching the Bucks game as he's doing. I'm oh. letting him struggle on this, this one. Is, I, mean, I was just saying. Struggle, man. Pocono. It's the Pocono doubleheader. So it's uh, Saturday, oh, Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arca and Trucks. And Kyle, then Kyle Saturday's the pole. Yeah, that's right. That's why I didn't pay attention because it's Pocono. It's, I don't think yeah, there's a worse totally. track on the schedule than Pocono. Yeah, I totally agree. What a boring and stupid track. I don't know if like, I didn't watch that. It, I hate Pocono. Playing baseball on this weekend, Ramsey. That was that. That was kind of like Pocono, <laughs> kind of like uh, Coda. Yeah. Circuit of the. It's just a slog. Watching a Pocono race yeah. is a slog. It, they haven't had a good race at Pocono since 2017, when Ryan Blaney outran Kevin Harvick. Plenty of baseball even... this weekend, Ramsey. Plenty of baseball. Of things I am not going to do this weekend. <laughs> All right. Turn on a baseball. I don't even know what channel they play on. Does baseball even play on TV? Yes, I can't imagine. Quite well, I can't imagine it's entertaining. Quite well. I think that I think there's some UFC fights. Cyril Gong is gonna um, have a big fight. Have Uh, you guys uh, marked your calendar off for July 24th? What's that? Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. No, July 12th. Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. I'm more excited for the boxing pay per view. However. You're, you're uninvited. We're doing it at the house. You guys can come over. We'll have it on. So you're invited, Justin. So mark it on your fucking calendar. That, that's, because a, that's a Saturday night? That is a Saturday night. Mark it on your calendar because you always say, oh, you never invite me. Oh, it's on the record. Well, oh, you never maybe, invite me to things. Maybe I'll bring my birthday horn and I can properly give you a happy birthday this time. Yeah, you, can, never get you, can bring, you can bring the birthday horn. You can bring... Uh, the old lady, maybe the, the new babies. babies, the other children. Probably not the children. Probably not a very uh, kid-friendly place, but, you know. <laughs> well, well, so well, I'm going to make every effort I can to make it to there. I'll, I'll give tell you, you what, a three-week notice. Every, every goddamn highway around me right now is under construction. It's fucking not. You have a truck. I know. I'm just gonna go by. 32, 32. Look at him already making excuses up. Nine from Pulaski, and then uh, twenty-two to O'Connell, where I work, is now under construction. It's, it's getting ridiculous. This construction. Welcome to we Wisconsin. Got, we, got, we got we got highways buckling everywhere. It was this Wisconsin weather. I mean, Christ sakes, what was it two days ago? It was fifty degrees outside. Tomorrow it might be ninety-five and one hundred and ten percent humidity. It's, it's ridiculous around here. 
you know, we can move to Phoenix and have a new team that we can pull for that's actually good. <laughs> no, no wonder Stephen A. hates Wisconsin. All right, boys. Episode 28 in the books. That's the Roof for Wisconsin show. I'm Eric. We got Ramsey and Justin here. Signing off for the week. Enjoy the show. Quick programming note. Uh, we are going to be switching days of release. Ooh, really? So with that, uh, usually we've been a Friday show. This episode, as you're listening to it now, will release on Friday. Next week, we are switching to Wednesday release days with our recordings happening on Monday. So we'll actually have some pretty back-to-back content here for you for one week. Switching it up the schedule a little bit to accommodate for uh, just some general life stuff going on and... In general, we'll probably we might switch back to Wednesdays in the fall, maybe. maybe but not. for now, for the rest of the summer here, we're looking at Monday episodes released on Wednesday. That is the Rupert Wisconsin show. We are out. Thanks for listening. See ya. Salute. Bye.